Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I got into, like, I think I've told you, Rocky Four Regiment, running up hills, doing pull-ups on, you know, tree limbs. Do you or do you not chase a chicken around the backyard. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not grease lightning yet. No, I don't do that. <laughs> that would. That you're would be eat a- lightning, <laughs> and you're gonna crap thunder. Yeah, Mick. That's speed. All speed. right, welcome in. You know what's you, you know what's really those. bad about it? You don't it? see those before they play them, so I never know whether to be happy or nervous. No, exactly right. You sit there, you're, you're just cringing. You're like, "What's going to happen here, and how are they going to embarrass me?" So, like, it's funny and ironic, okay, that we're playing that today because doing one of my Rocky Four workouts on Saturday, like, I officially have hit old man status. Like, pulled the calf muscle running on the treadmill on Saturday, Mike. Like. One of those where I was like, damn, am I cramping? That really hurts. What's going on here? And then I tried to get back on the treadmill, and I was like, whoa, okay, nope, I can't run. And I'm I'm gimping around NBC today. I, I've gotten the seat later than normal because life is moving slower. So I'm like, I can't believe it, man. I can't believe it. Rocky Ford's hurt. Help me understand this. First of all, yeah, first of all. Right. Running on a treadmill doesn't necessarily mesh with the entire Rocky Four vibe. I don't I recall him taking they don't have Pelotons? treadmill to <laughs> in Siberia, <laughs> in part because I don't think there was electricity in the log cabin in which he was living. I was Other being the Russian on this day. I was the Russian in the nice. Apparently not. I was apparently I, not. <laughs> apparently, you need to shoot something into that calf. To exactly. Get it to work right. I was the Russian that wasn't getting the proper shots there. Yeah, but I was doing like a sprint workout. I don't know. Have you ever pulled your calf muscle? Like, yes, multiple times. Not on a treadmill, though. I mean, you have to really exert yourself to pull. I was calf do- I was doing sprints. I was like doing it sprints at an incline, and I felt pretty good. It was going, 
and I just I've never had had this injury. Like this was the injury you made fun of guys on the team, right? Like Jeff Garcia got this when I was in Tampa late in his career. He was 35, 36 years old. You're always like, oh, you're an old man. You got the calf injury, huh? You know that, and I just can't believe I got it. So like, it's really knocked the cool out of my step, and I'm walking really slow. Yeah, I've had it a couple of times, and it, it it's it's like a hamstring. You just got to let it heal. Seems it, like it. And it takes time, and every time you think it's healed, it grabs again, and then you got to wait even Ugh. longer, and then eventually you forget about it, and it goes away. But I, I'm trying to picture your treadmill. Yeah. I didn't know they made, like, extra large top-of-the-beanstalk-sized treadmills <laughs> because you're big. Yeah. And you trouncing around on a treadmill, that thing's going to come unmoored and take off down the street. I mean, or, or you just crush it. I do. How often do you have to get a new treadmill? It's bouncing and moving, but it is like the wife got one of those, you know, Peloton uh, treadmills during during. They've been recalled. I, I've heard that. Actually, she was telling me that, you know, the other day after I got hurt on there. Uh, but yes, I, I've been doing that. But yeah, like 12 and a half miles per hour. Like I had it on like a three, three and a half percent incline and I'll do like jump on for 10 seconds and then jump off or jump on for 15 seconds and then jump off for 20 seconds. That's how I kind of do my little workouts. And yeah, something went wrong. I blew a gasket. You jump on the treadmill while it's moving. Yes. And you're on it for 15 seconds at a 3% incline at 12 and a half miles per hour. And then you jump off. Yes. Could be a problem. Jump huh? back on. Yeah. Could be a problem. Yeah, the calf I, muscle. Yeah. 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 Probably at yeah. some point that is going to cause a 40 year old calf muscle to say I've had enough. <laughs> I think, I think, so. you, I think you should have stuck to chasing chickens around your backyard. <laughs> I you're right. I, I know you're right. I, I guess I'm just still in the mindset of that. I'm not 40 and I need to kind of like think about those things before I do those workouts now. Maybe by the time you're 50, you'll accept the fact that you're 40. Yeah. I think yeah that's usually right. How it works. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, We've exhausted that topic, and we've burned up as much of the first half hour of the program as we can, but it's okay because we have plenty of time to talk about everything that's happening in the National Football League. The show is PFT Live. We're live on Peacock. Rerun or tape delay or whatever the right word is on NBCSN. What is the right word? Re-air. Re-air. Why? Where's my brain today? Re-air at 9 a.m. on NBCSN, so good morning if you're checking us out then. Sky Sports at some point. I think we're back at 10 p.m. local time, UK and Ireland, because draft week and post-draft week are over. So stay up late or tape it over there and podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, hello to our audience on Sirius XM 211. Rookie mini camps this weekend. And, you know, let, let me just make one general observation. Okay. About rookie mini camps. Here I heard go. nothing about not even a single rookie not showing up. Did you? I did not either. I can't say that I did. You're right. No, that was not even a topic that crossed my mind this weekend it never came up with anybody that I texted about during rookie minicamps yeah I think they all were there and right. I think that became clear last Monday when the union tried to convince the rookies and their agents to participate in this effort to stay away from the offseason programs in order to leverage better conditions in the offseason and it it now seems a little more clear what they're trying to do what they're trying to do is withhold services from voluntary workouts to get better terms and conditions during the offseason program that that's that's the the push in the pool that's the tug of war and Tom Brady reportedly spoke for six minutes to whoever happened to be on the call Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern I have a feeling 
Not a whole lot of members of the union called in at 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday. Just a hunch to hear Tom Brady and others say, please hold firm and stay away from these offseason workouts. The rookies definitely present because they have to get ensconced. They have to learn. It's like showing up for orientation when you're getting ready to go to college. All the stuff you do now is going to make it easier when the real thing rolls around. And as we said last week, for a lot of these guys, it's free lodging. It's free food. It's a transition to your new city. There are many reasons to do it. And the only reason not to do it is placate the older members of the union who benefit indirectly from the rookies not going because it makes it harder for the rookies to win roster spots that otherwise would be held by the veterans. So that that continues to percolate, but it didn't affect the Jets, the yeah, Raiders, good. and the Colts who had their rookie minicamps this weekend. So let's start talking about the New York Jets because right. they've got the second overall pick in Zach Wilson. And uh, let, let's hear from Zach Wilson on winning the starting job and also one of his teammates on Zach Wilson's early leadership. Chris, here they are. In this position, the coaches want to play the best player, and that that position has got to be earned. You know, I got to go in there and I got to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do, and uh, you know that'll take care of itself. Talking to him on the phone, I, I could tell he's like a general, you know, and just by what he what he was saying, and you know, he's just su super excited to be here as well. You know, his his passion comes out through the phone, and I'm ready just to watch him look pretty throwing me balls. Yeah, the last thing I want to hear about is a Jets quarterback being excited to be there 41 times over. That brings back memories of another Jets quarterback who wasn't there for very long, but he was extremely excited to be there about <laughs> nine years ago. Uh, as to Zach Wilson, you know, he talked about having to earn the starting job, Chris. There's no competition for the starting job. Right. James Morgan and another guy whose name I think is Mike something, that's it. That's all they have. They don't even have a veteran. If Zach Wilson can't win that starting job, he never should have been the second overall pick, much less a second round pick, much less a third or a fourth round pick. No, well, I don't think you got to worry about that. He's going to win the job. I mean, first off, if you just watch the local news up here, like how excited they were about him, like, well, you know, what he brings to, to the field. And, you know, just from conversations of people that I know around the Jets, uh, there was excitement about him, about what he looks like in person, you know, how the ball pops out of his hands, like, whoa. Yeah, it's a little different. It's even better than what I thought in person or in person than what I was on film and all those type of things. But yeah, Mike, he's the second pick of the draft. They're gonna roll out the red carpet. He's gonna get the reps, all the work, get all like the mental reps, everything like that. And they're gonna go down with Zach Wilson. Now I would expect at some point that they do bring in some sort of veteran type quarterback to be the backup for him. And like we always talk about, it's good to have that guy too, just because you know, have somebody there to kind of lay the groundwork or a foundation of how you should work, young rookie. And this is like, this is what we do. I, th I know I've spoken in the past about Brad Johnson and other guys I had in front of me. You know, the example they set was the biggest thing for me. Oh, wait, okay, this is what a starting quarterback does? You do this now? All right, no, wait, we broke the meeting. Now you go and study more or watch more film? Okay. And those are the things that they need a veteran presence in the room for. But you're right, Mike. He's the guy, and he's going to get all the reps because of that, and there is going to be no competition. They're not even going to try to pretend about that. I really am amazed that the NFL is now drafting 13-year-olds. <laughs> I know. It's, it's I, funny. He is young-looking. My God. My God. Uh, now, when you hear Elijah Moore, another member of the Jets draft class, praise the leadership attributes of Zach Wilson, that's one thing. 
What's the difference between showing up at rookie minicamp where you're clearly the king? You're the guy. Everyone's going to look to you because you were the second overall pick in the draft. When the veterans start to show up, assuming that some do, whether it's the remainder of the voluntary portion or the mandatory minicamp, that's when they all will be there. Right. When everyone's there, what's the, what's the difference between acting like the alpha among your fellow rookies where you're ordained the alpha and acting that way when the guys who have been in the league five, seven, ten years roll in. Yeah, you got you got to know your role is a little different. Like, you know, you might be able to be more the vocal, hey, guys, follow me, do this type of stuff during rookie minicamp, right? When it comes veteran time and, and the veterans come around for whatever it is, the mandatory minicamp or an OTA session, whatever that is, yeah, that's where you want to be strong and confident as a young quarterback. You know, you still want to be a leader, stick out your hands, say hello to guys, but you're not going to be the one that's like, hey, guys, bring it up. You know, I'm going to break you down. You know, I'm three Jets. One. No, no, you're not going to do any of that. You kind of have to take a little bit of a back seat and kind of feel the room, gauge the room. Who are the leaders? Who should I listen and follow to here? And you just kind of look to be a part of the team that way. And slowly you'll indoctrinate yourself into knowing the guys and becoming the leader of the football team. The guys want you to be, be the leader. They know he's the number two pick. He's the quarterback and all of those type of things. But he's just got to kind of become one of the guys, show that he knows what he's doing on the football field, show his talents a little bit. And slowly but surely he'll start to take over that room and that offense as it goes by. You've told us before the way you were welcomed to Tampa by Warren Sapp yeah. and the way that the rookies tend to get treated. When Cadillac Williams showed up a couple of years later as the fifth overall pick, does he get that same kind of treatment? Is there, no. uh, based yeah. upon how high you're drafted, that's how less you're treated like, you know, the standard run-of-the-mill third-round quarterback who has to supply Warren Sapp with his Copenhagen yeah no it's a it's a different league you're in when you're when you're yeah Cadillac Williams or we had Mike Clayton the great receiver from LSU who came down to us you know as a top 15 pick yeah they're going to get treated with they're the shiny new toy for the whole organization let a, let alone like in the locker room yeah you get a different level of respect being that first round pick you know, one, whoa, this guy's got some like special physical attributes that he attributes that he can bring to the team and help us out to win football games and do all that. But also within being the first pick, you know how special that guy is to the coaching staff and the front office. So you're not going to be a jerk or an ass to him. Sorry, for lack for lack of a better phrase, because of that type of stuff. And as long as you show respect a little bit, uh, again, as that first round pick and you're willing to work, you know, then then you become one of the guys really quick. But yes, there is a different level of conversation with the first the first round pick, the second round pick, as compared to maybe the fifth rounder who might have to earn his stripes a little bit more than those top guys. You know, you came so close to giving us a Monday morning Simsism before you corrected yourself. Attribute would have been a <laughs> good one. Yeah. Attribute. <laughs> Attribute is what you wear on your leg when you injure your calf muscle jumping on and off a treadmill, I think. Is that, that what that that's is? That's how I'll define attribute. Yeah, that's the special attribute. kind of boot that you use. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Astro butte. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you did. You did. Congratulations. Thank you. You, you, you heard it and you fixed it. And I, I'm sure that at some point later this week when we're sitting here waiting for the show to begin, 
that's on the radar screen of clips that you never know when they're going to resurface. Yeah, again. definitely. Um, the, I, and, and you know, with some of these other quarterbacks, there really is a question when we're going to see them. We talked about that some last week. I think Peter and I talked about it on Friday. You and I talked about it earlier in the week. The three guys take it after the first two, but for the first two, there's there's nothing to be no. earned. There's no lower rung on the depth chart where you can put Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I guess they could put him behind Gardner Minshew. You can't put Zach Wilson behind anybody, no, though. No, And I don't know that it really matters. I, I think part of the convention for NFL teams is to bury the first-round quarterback on the depth chart and let him climb so he can build some confidence and so the teammates kind of organically realize this is why the guy was brought in here. But with Wilson, that's just not the case. I don't care who they add as a veteran, and they're talking about bringing in a veteran. Who the hell's out there? Brian Hoyer, all due respect? I mean, if Zach Wilson can't walk through the door and be better than Brian Hoyer again, why were you a first-round pick? So, I, I, it's yeah, I mean, those top two guys, and they will play this year, and we'll find out Wednesday night when Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson will meet each other. But it won't be like it was you know, a couple of years ago when it was what, – what was the game? There yeah. were some games that were but, coming up, and it's like, oh, well, will the guy be a star? Oh, it was Sam yeah, Darnold, Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield and Sam Darnold, yes, exactly. Yeah, we, we, week three, but we didn't Ty, know. Tyrod hurt his, his wrist, right. Ty, yeah. Tyrod hurt his know. wrist. Baker got to come in during that game. He wasn't starting. He got to play, and he took exactly. over from that, stand, from, that point, uh, from that point on. But, yeah, no, this is a different set of circumstances. There, you're right, Mike. I mean, this is more of like, no, there's nobody here. And no, we're not going to like toy around with yeah, Gardner Minshew or James Morgan get the first team reps. No, they haven't earned enough stripes or done enough and just aren't physically talented enough to even like warrant putting guys like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson behind them for a few days just to say, you know, oh, hey, he earned it. Look at that. No, they're just going to – This is these are the situations. It's more like a, a Peyton Manning back in the day with the Colts. They've anointed these two the Kings, and they're going to get reps and reps and reps and reps, and that's how they're going to try to teach them football by like, hey, we're not worried about anybody else in here. Got any other quarterback, oh, we got to give this guy – we got to give our, our older veteran 10 reps this period because he might be the starter week one, so let's do that. No. Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, if there's a, a period in practice, Mike, where they have 20 plays during that period, they're going to get 15, 15 out of the 20 reps. And then the other guy's going to get a handful, and that's going to be it. And that's that's where they're going to get their learning from right now. But you'd like to see a veteran around either one of them just going forward. You know, another reality of this Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson dynamic there really wasn't, as Matt Casey pointed out, any question. There was no question. Not even really wasn't. There was no question. Lawrence was going to the Jaguars. Yeah. And once it became clear that that's where the Jets were going with Wilson, he got locked in there. There was never any hesitation, any question, any Manning versus Leaf type of debate between Lawrence and Wilson. So it doesn't make it as dramatic and compelling when they get together because no one's going to be thinking, well, you know what? The Jaguars really thought about taking Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson came down here and kicked the crap out of the Jaguars. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't say maybe they should have, but it's not the same no, should have right. as if they did, if they, if they were going back and forth and they agonized over the decision and they didn't make up their mind until the morning of the draft. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the 49ers have invited this comparison between Trey Lance and 
Mac Jones, Justin Fields, because they did publicly, even though they claim they didn't agonize over who they were going to take, you you put more attention on those other guys. It's just not an issue. No. Number one versus number two, when they get together this year, Jets, Jaguars, that's otherwise a game you'd look at and say what else is on. The reason to watch it is you see the top two picks in the draft. We saw it with Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston week one. In 2015, they right. were both starting. Right. So even if this is week one, we'll see them, and it'll be interesting, and uh, that that's just check the first box that's who wins it. that game and see whether or not they'll be meeting again in games that count the most in January. That's what both of these teams are hoping, Wilson and Lawrence getting together on a regular basis in January. Yeah, there was no debate here. You're right. It was no Manning and Lee for Mariota and Winston or what you, golf or Wentz, like none of that here. You're right. We knew Trevor Lawrence was going to Jacksonville the day Urban Meyer took the job. I mean, that that was like, bam, it's over. So when they meet this year, it is. It's going to be more about like just uh, who's got the, 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 the brighter, shinier new toy. It's not going to be about like, oh, we picked the right one, you picked the wrong one. None of that. Now, if the Jets fans and Zach Wilson have a good game and he starts to, you know, show off and do stuff like that, you know, yeah, you, the Jacksonville Jaguar fans are going to hear about it, and it's going to get rubbed in their face a little bit, and then you're going to start to hear the, like, oh, was Jacksonville wrong to take Trevor Lawrence number one? I mean, yeah, there that conversation is going to get started if that's the way the year starts out in general. That's the only way they're going to be tied, for, tied to each other. But you're right. There's no, like, oh... Well, you should pick this guy, or we should have picked that guy. That that didn't happen, which is kind of rare when it's what's this kind of scenario. Meanwhile, you mentioned Gardner Minshew, and yeah, it's been very quiet about what they're going to do with right. him. I I will say this: without mentioning he who shall not be named, they're going to need to clear him off the roster so fifteen is available for someone who may be signed sooner rather than later. Oh, the great prayer king is coming to Jacksonville. Jacksonville. (laughs) All right. Uh, You you mentioned Mariota earlier, or I did. One of us did. We both did, I think. Mariota now on the Raiders depth chart, but not in the building yet because it was rookie Manning camp for Las Vegas. Uh, I I still can't get a feel for where the Raiders are right now. You look at the deconstruction of the offensive line and then the partial reconstruction of the offensive line by bringing back guys like Richie Incognito. Then the first-round decision to take Alex Leatherwood when Christian Darasaw was available and a lot of criticism of the Raiders for that. Uh, One of the only teams that got criticized for its first-round pick because the whole etiquette at this point is praise and hype, praise and hype, everyone, hope, 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 glass half full, except for Alex Leatherwood going to the Raiders. It's kind of a weird vibe right now with that team, and there was no real news that came out of their rookie minicamp this no. weekend, which I guess is good news. But, uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, they, they got to, they, they got to, like, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, it's like, you're right. There's no theme or anything to hit on. It's like Las Vegas Raiders 2021. Prove it. That's what it should say next to their, like, their logo. Prove it. Like, yeah, young guys that you've been drafted. Prove. That you're worthy of the job. John Gruden, you know, big year going into year four. four. Prove it that you're worthy of it. Derek Carr, yeah, you showed us last year. I mean, to me, it's just about now they got to start grooming some of these young guys that they've drafted. And they got to, it's like time to put up or shut up there with the Raiders to a degree. Not that they got to go to the playoffs and make a big playoff run, but they are at the point where, yeah, they're a team that we saw improvement from last year. 
you know, to a degree, but maybe not quite the way we were expecting at the end of the year. I think we thought maybe they'd be in the mix a little bit more than where they were. That kind of like made things a little disappointing when you talk about the Raiders overall. So that that's where it is a big year because there's just so many unproven commodities, whether it be draft picks, free agent signings, the coaches, whatever. It just hasn't all come together there quite yet to be anything special. And that's where it's like you just don't know which way this team is teetering right now, uh, especially with this offseason, like you said, the reconstruction of the offensive line. And an interesting dynamic that we're keeping an eye on as it relates to Raiders coach John Gruden, the only time we have heard from him the entire year since the regular season ended in the Raiders for the third straight season under Gruden did not make it to the playoffs. He did that Chris Collinsworth podcast with Richard Sherman, openly tampered with Sherman during the podcast. There has been nothing else from Gruden, nothing pre-free agency, post-free agency, pre-draft, during-draft, post-draft. This past weekend, there was no media access or Zoom availability for anyone. No rookies, no coaches, no one. And my understanding is that there's some pressure being put on some of these teams via the Pro Football Writers Association to make guys available. The reporters can't be there because of the pandemic. Teams are choosing to make guys available. Some teams aren't. And what the Raiders are doing is making no one other than Mike Mayock available. Mayock is available and available and available. Gruden's nowhere to be seen. The players are nowhere to be seen. It's just kind of a strange thing right now. And uh, I, I don't know if they're just trying to set up an us against the world vibe or what. Gruden's upset he got called out for tampering with Richard Sherman. Well, you know what? One way to avoid that, don't tamper with Richard Sherman. Either way, Gruden's nowhere to be seen, and it is kind of strange, and it gets more conspicuous as it goes on. It it does. Well, I know that, like, I texted you during, I think, round one. Like, I I thought it was even weird, and, and again, I didn't rewind and go back and look, but maybe I need to. I don't think Gruden was in the room during round one with Alex Leatherwood in the pick. You know, when they showed the Raiders' war room and people congratulating each other and doing all that, there was no Gruden to be found. I thought that was odd, let alone all the other things that you've just talked about. So, I don't know. It is a big year for that that football team and that organization. You know, it, it, like I said, it's just a lot of, hey, you know, we heard it from Mayock a little bit. You know, guys who they've committed to, whether it's money, draft picks, or whatever, like, it's got to be better. It's, it's just got to be better. Whether it's Jonathan Abrams at safety, got to be better. Damon Arnett keeping his cool and, you know, playing the right way, got to be better there. You, you heard all of those type of things. So, you know, that that's where it's going to be interesting. Henry Ruggs, top 15 pick of receiver. Yeah, it was good last year, but it's got to be better to be a top 15 pick. I feel like the whole team is like that's the theme you could just continually say. Like, yeah, okay, but it's got to be better. Like, that's what it's got to be. There's no marquee unit or anything to look at on the team right now to just go, wow, they got that. And if they can build around that, then they're going to be okay. Everything's like you said. It's kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, okay, yeah. but And that's not a great way to feel about your football team. Well, especially not with the Kansas City Chiefs in the division. That's yes. The Chargers no doubt. ready to improve dramatically in Justin Herbert's second year with Brandon Staley as the head coach. Right. The Broncos 
getting mentioned repeatedly, and it took us 26 minutes to mention Aaron Rodgers, but they're tied to Aaron Rodgers, and and the and Raiders are talent. on the Rodgers' wish list. The Raiders are on the, the, the Rodgers' wish list, and there's been no sign, no indication, no sense the Raiders are even remotely interested in making a run at Aaron Rodgers, which, which seems bizarre. If he wants you... Don't you at least explore? Isn't there something? And and I know that they they you know they they're all in with Derek Carr and yeah I, I don't know you, you well still if you could take Derek Carr Aaron Rodgers Chris you're taking Aaron Rodgers definitely I mean yes no doubt about it no doubt but I guess there, here's the things that that come to my mind when when you hear that one yeah Derek Carr they program the robot like you've talked to me like we've talked about but that's not going to be like make it or break it. The other thing is, is like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is great, but we just talked about their damn team. And then like, eh, oh, eh. and it's like, first off, you know, okay, you're going to trade that. And what are you going to have as a team? What you're going to trade away more future assets and things like that to where you just go, what, what, what the hell can we possibly build here? We don't have a great foundation and now we don't have the bricks to lay the rest of the house. So there's that aspect. And then I listen with the Raiders, what always comes to my mind is can they just simply afford it? We've heard enough rumors over the last years. Do they have the cash to pay a Rodgers or stuff like that? That Those are three things that at least pop to my head instantly to maybe why we don't hear them so hot with the, the Rodgers situation. You move to Las Vegas, you open a new stadium, and you have no fans at all your first year there. Right. I'm sure that affected the cash flow as well for the Raiders, but... Rodgers to the Broncos would make it even harder for the Raiders to be anything other than, yeah. at best, the third-place team in the AFC West. And really, the Raiders would be the one team keeping the AFC West at that point from being top to bottom one of the best divisions in the NFL. I mean, And, and even then, they could go 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight and, and, and still be in last place yeah. in that division the way it's currently going. Uh, from one of the strongest divisions to one of the weakest, the AFC South, which shows flashes from time to time, but perpetually clusters among top to bottom, all four teams, the worst in the NFL. The Colts had their rookie minicamp this weekend. Let's hear from general manager Chris Ballard on Quiddy Pay, their first round draft pick. Couldn't be more excited. Look, I've, we've, I've made some pretty easy picks where you just knew, you know, when you pulled a card, it was an easy pull and, and pulling the card of Quiddy Pay was very easy. Stands for everything we want to stand for. Um, he's in a position of, you know, that we all know is important, a defensive end. We think, we think he's got really big upside. We think he's going to continue to get better. Um, and he's going to add to our front. You know, now that the Colts have Carson Wentz and they feel very good about him, that defense has been uh -huh. improving. The offensive line is great. They're just a team – yeah. It is just kind of there. Right. Right. There's right. just this, what do we, what, you know, and there, it feels like they're so close to popping through and maybe a guy like Quiddy pay helps make the difference. Carson Wentz is going to be a huge factor, but, uh, you know, Chris Ballard's done a great job with that team. The results haven't shown themselves by way of postseason. They're still kind of gathering themselves after the Andrew Luck abrupt retirement in late August of 2019. But I, I feel like they're, they're, they're closer and closer not quite to getting back to what they were in the heyday of Peyton Manning, but maybe starting along a path that will get them to the point of consistent contention. I'm with you. I agree with that. I mean, I, you, know, you know, went to the playoffs this year, right? 
I mean, yeah, had yeah the, that's right. I that's know. right. But even then, even they, they went to the playoffs, they gave the Bills everything they can handle, and they're still kind of like... Yeah, you're kind of eh. like, yeah, well, they weren't really like blink, yeah. blinking on the radar. I know what you mean. Yeah, you're right. There was a little bit of that aspect missing from their team where we thought like they were a legit, legit, like scary contender. But yeah, the Andrew Luck thing threw a curveball, but at the same time, I, I think you're right, Mike. I mean, the Colts, you know, uh, uh, like opposite of like the Raiders... I think there's there's a few things to talk about on their team where you just go, man, that's that's pretty special what they got there. You know, first off, their offensive line, it's special, yes. I mean, Carson Wentz, we know what he can do when healthy and things like that. You know, the skill position guys, pretty good. Running running backs, good. I mean, defensive line, pretty damn special. And now you got a quitty pay to come off the edges. Really, the only issue on their team was like lack of edge threat. And Quiddy Pay and the, even their their second pick, uh, Odie Yingbo from Vanderbilt, are are both edge rushing type of football players. So they're really rounding out the roster, right, Mike? And I just look at them. I'm I'm with you. I look at it and just go, wait, this team is really good. They're like edge Super Bowl window type of football team. And now does Carson Wentz, you know, with a Quiddy Pay? kind of put them over the edge to where we start off early in 2021 going, no, like we thought the Colts were on the edge of the Super Bowl window. They're in the window. Like they're that kind of team. And I have a feeling we could be saying that about them, you know, four or five weeks into the year. And it is amazing to think how differently we feel about the Colts if they had beaten the Bills and they did give the Bills everything they could handle. And I wonder whether or not Phillip Rivers would have stayed around for one more year. I mean, there's an alternate history gurgling around out there right. involving the Colts, but they may be better off long-term with Carson Wentz if Wentz becomes, again, the guy that he was, the guy that he was when Frank Reich was in Philadelphia, the guy that Frank Reich believes he can be. That's really the key to this team, this gamble they've made on Carson Wentz. The guy we yeah. don't think about when we talk about this trend of quarterbacks pushing their way out of situations they don't like because the Eagles didn't really like it either but Wentz wanted out, he got out, and he gets this fresh start. And it's just one of these teams. You know, the Bills last year were that team that kind of slapped us in the face early in the year and let us know that they were going to be yeah, serious real contenders force. all year long. Right. I feel like the Colts could do that, depending upon and, – and this is why the schedule is so important. You're right. Depending upon the games you get right out of the break, right out of the gates – what, what games can you get that maybe you can get win, win, win and build some confidence with your new quarterback? That's going to be key as well for the Colts. A, a key, right? I mean, we've talked about that the last three years. The hell with the whole schedule. It's just like let's look at those first three or four weeks to what you're talking about, to where can you come out of that going, wait, we did some positives and we can build on it and now we can go instead of being maybe one and three or you know something like that to now it's panic and it's like one more loss and it's really panic. Uh, I, I'm with you, though, Mike. I think they're one of those teams, too, like the Bills last year, where, yeah, you go, hey, they're a playoff team from last year. They're good. But I think they got the, the potential to be pretty damn special when you kind of break it all down. It's a top 10 defense in football. Now they got a legit difference maker on the edge. The offensive side of the ball, it's always been flirting around the top 10 and doing all of that. And now you got a quarterback who – can stretch the field. Like, let's not forget about that. Phillip Rivers was good last year, but there was games and moments where his lack of arm strength and the ability to push the ball down the field hurt their football team. It hurt Frank Reich in the fact where 
he's a master at finding like these 15 and 20 yard completions with his great game planning and his creative offense and everything he does that way. And that was kind of compromised a little bit because people knew like, man, Phillip Rivers, he ain't going to throw it past 35 or 40 yards. And that shrunk the field a little bit. Not going to be able to do that with Carson Wentz. I think it'll make the offense look a little bit more dangerous with him at the helm this year. You know, it's funny. Last week, Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, told me that the first thing he looks at when he gets the schedule, the games in December, the stretch run. And I think an established team can do that. Yeah, right. When you're trying to get your bearings, when you're testing out a quarterback that flamed out, whatever it is, when you have a big change, I think the easier the early season schedule, the better chance you have to get everyone in the locker room to say, okay, I get it. I understand why you went to get Carson Wentz. I understand why you hired Robert Sala to be the coach. I understand why you made Zach Wilson the second overall pick. And it really does set the tone for the season. If you can get off to a great start, yep. you can become a great team when maybe you weren't a great team when the year began. So we'll find all that out Wednesday night for every team. Where will the soft spots be? And some of them need those soft spots to come early. The Steelers, an established team that rode the first 11 games of 2020 to victory. Big Ben, is 2021 his last season? We'll discuss that next when PFT Live continues. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. I think Ben's mindset is he's focused on 2021, as we all are. And I think we all go into it and we we focus now, we see where things lead, but beyond that, none of us know. And uh, obviously Ben's at the in the back end of his career. Um, he was terribly disappointed the way we ended, the way he ended. And you know, shortly after the end of the season, he came to us and said, listen, I want I want to be back. You know, of course, we had to work out some things contractually. And, and honestly, he set off a nice little surge for us because we had several players that were able to come back to us. But Ben led the way by taking that pay cut. It's Kevin Colbert, GM of the Steelers from last week on PFTPM. That pay cut was $5 million. 
that Ben Roethlisberger gave up in order to create some cap space, allow the team to maneuver, allow the team to bring back receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, among other business they needed to do. And Chris, you know, we were all over this, I think, as it unfolded, the idea that the Steelers convinced themselves, we can do this. We're not that far away. We're much closer to winning a Super Bowl than we are to being a 4-13 and 13 team. So <laughs> get it right. Oh my 17 gosh, games. 4-13 and 13, or 5-12, and 12, as the case may be. But, uh, and, and some of that is delusional, maybe. I don't know. Ben Roethlisberger's got to stay healthy all year. Can he? I don't know. Can the Steelers muster anything in their running game? I don't know. They drafted Najee Harris in the first round, but are they going to have the blocking for him? I don't know. But the real question, and Kevin Colbert admitted this, nobody knows whether or not this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year. I think if they would win the Super Bowl, he would do the Jerome Bettis walk-off into the sunset thing. But anything short of that, I just don't know. And I think they don't know, and I think he doesn't know. No, I, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I, I like, agreed. I mean, if they go to the Super Bowl and win, that, that might be it. But, like, I think the status of Big Ben is predicated on all the other things you said, Mike. Like, you know, they're, they're the team and where they are. Can they run? Can Najee Harris actually do some stuff that way? Can the O-line and guys that were injured last year and now, you know, they drafted two rookies in the mid-rounds of this draft, can they help out the team immediately right now? Can they play that style? Like, if they can play that style of football that you and I have talked about from the get-go here, right, of that Buccaneers football, then I go, Big Ben is going to play two more years because it's not going to be on him every week to have to do stuff and drop back 45 times a game and make all the throws. But, I mean, as we've said, if they can get this O-line, like, together and become somewhat of a force – it's unbelievable how many parallels there are to really the Buccaneers. I mean, there it really is. Top-notch defense, guys in the front seven that are mean, nasty, and fly all over the field. Weapons galore at wide receiver. Hard to match up with all the guys they got, right? And then if they can just get that O-line power run game aspect of their team, you know, in line to where teams now have to like, whoa, we got to bring a safety down. Whoa, we can't play nickel. We got to be in a base defense and stop the run game. Oh, no. Now we're one-on-one -on -one with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool because we're worried about stopping the run game. If they can get teams to start playing football that way against them, they're going to be a beast. They, they will be, but it's, it's the big thing is can they dominate the line of scrimmage? Can they protect Big Ben? And, yeah, can he stay healthy is, is the big questions. I think you're spot on there. OurLads.com does a great job of keeping all of the NFL depth charts updated as changes are made during the offseason. Yeah. And you look at the Steelers' starting offensive yeah, line. Yeah, read it off. Oh, my God. Well, other than David DeCastro yeah. and Zach Banner, it's like, who are these guys? Chikwuma Okorafor, yep, Kevin Okafor, Dotson, he's right. been around, yeah, uh, and J.C. Hassenauer. I mean, look, these are guys who are not household names in Pittsburgh, much less around the National Football League, who are going to be coming in to try to create the running lanes for Najee Harris and the pass protection for Ben Roethlisberger, period. DeCastro is it. He's the one guy who's left over that you can say, oh, yeah, DeCastro, he's been part of this Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line that's been better than average 
for the past several years. Now it's work in progress. Alejandro Villanueva, gone. Marquise Pouncey, retired. A lot of work to do. Kevin Filer signs with the Chargers, a guy that, you know, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't jump, a name that doesn't jump out, but a guy who, who spent a lot of time on the field, starting sure. in multiple positions over the past couple of years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that, that's where the eggs are in the basket Definitely. with the offensive line. If that offensive line works, okay. If it doesn't, not okay. No, I I, I know. It's it's it is going to be the key and I think the thing we watch for to just see what they can be as a football team. You know, and and plus, listen, with that defense, it makes no sense not to play a style of football where you run the ball, control the clock a little bit. It makes sense for your quarterback one and the age and the 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 part of of, the, of his career he's at. But two, I just think if you're going to play complimentary football, you know, the Steelers, you want to keep their defense, you want to keep that defense fresh, flying around. Yeah, run the ball, got a great defense, make it really hard for another offense to like, whoa, the pressure's on us. You know, we don't we don't have the ball a lot. They're 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 running out the clock on the other side of the ball. You know, they they just gotta find a way to play complimentary football. Last year it made no sense. They were playing defense, you know, at a pretty high level but they were playing offense like they had no defense and they were dropping back to throw the ball every play. And they went through too many periods of the year where as good as the defense was, they were put in spots where it was like, well, the offense has uh, thrown the ball three times in a row, first, second, and third down, and now you guys are back on the field. There was only 12 seconds that ran off the game clock and now you're back on. And now they put a drive together and got a field goal. Your offense came back out again and Big Ben and company threw the ball three straight times again, and we're on the field for 14 seconds, and now your defense is back on the field again. And that doesn't make sense. That's where that's complimentary football that did not exist there in Pittsburgh last year. And I'm sure that had to drive Mike Tomlin crazy, and that's why they got to fix it. Okafor started 16, no, 15 games at right tackle last year. Yeah. Played in all 16. 15 starts at right tackle, but you take him and you move him to the left side. It's not as easy as as no, it sounds. No, and and it's been explained by some in the past in very graphic ways uh, involving uh, toilet paper uh, and left hand versus right hand. But uh, you know that's going to be part of it. Can he hold up there? Can Zach Banner hold up? Can David DeCastro stay healthy? What what are they going to do at center after all those years of Pouncey and Ben together? And we thought that the two were tied together. Remember the. The images of Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger sitting on the bench after the loss to the Browns in the playoffs and that sense that this is it. It's done for both of right. them. And I think it was more of a surprise that Roethlisberger stayed and Pouncey left than if it had been flipped. But uh, and, and Roethlisberger always made it seem like the moment Pouncey goes, he goes. So uh, a, a, a hell of an experiment for it the is. Steelers. If it, again, if it works, right. if it works, hey, maybe they will be in L.A. I don't think when it's we're a, there in mid-February. It, it's yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's just a big if. That's what it is. I think they're by the way of the draft and the guys they got on the roster. I think they're comfortable with the guys. It's just got to be like healthy and can we get together and set the right attitude at camp. But you know, between Okafor, um, Banner, you could put those two at tackle. Dotson, who was a young guy who played guard last year, he can play guard. You know, then they're gonna have to figure out the other guard position. They drafted an NFL ready guard. Uh, I want just to make sure it's the third round or it was the third round, and Kendrick Green out of Illinois. So he'll be, he could play maybe Mike and be there. But the center position, 
yeah, it's going to be an unproven commodity, and we'll see who that is. But, um, yeah, it's, that's going to be the key to their football team. I think, I mean, I think we're all over it. It's going to be about that aspect. Can they run the ball, protect him, and that's going to be dictate Big Ben's future and, and really the, the status of this football team. You've mentioned in the past the intensity of their training camp practices. I think they need to be even more intense this yeah. year to the, to the point of chippy. I, I think that that defense needs to do everything they can do to draw out the best and the nastiest of the, the offensive line, line yeah. if they're going to be ready sure. to go. Sure. I agree with you 100%. I would think that's Mike Tomlin knows what to dial up here. And that this is the kind of group where, hey, after the first few days of like training camp, okay, the O-line's coming together a little bit, where he talks to his D-line and is like, you know, let's let's give it to these guys a little bit. I got to see if they can hold up, you know, in week six against the Ravens. And then, you know, the next week we got to play the Browns and Miles Garrett and everybody. You know, we got to be we got to be testing these guys on a daily basis and, and see what they're made of. Uh, I would think that's something that Mike Tomlin's going to put his defense to task on during training camp. By the way, apologies to Matt Filer. I said Kevin Filer earlier. They know who we mean. Who's the next quarterback after 2021 if ben is gone do they go rookie or hey i'm fascinated by what could happen with dwayne haskins yeah it's not like the guy wasn't going to be a first round pick no i know he he was going to be the question was where was he coming off the board washington took him 15th overall it didn't work out the steelers get him for nothing and they get this year where they can they can just see what he can do yeah and you you may end up getting yourself your future quarterback without having to draft him in any round. He's a guy that just landed in your laps after Washington gave up on him. No, I, I mean, there, there's talent. There's a there's a big-time arm. You know, there's size and an athlete that's better than people wanted to give him credit for coming out in the draft as far as Dwayne Haskins is concerned. And to me, he's the only guy that has potential to actually really be something as a starter. Not to say he will be. I don't know, but he's got the potential. He does. Yeah, I don't look at Mason Rudolph or Joshua Dobbs, any of those, no disrespect. Look at, I just They're backup quarterbacks for me. I don't look at them as like a guy that can be the future maybe at some point. Haskins, I do think, has that potential, but it's all the other stuff. You know, let alone he hasn't played a lot, right, Mike? I mean, it's just, it's everything. Now, can he dial it in and be a pro and do all the right things that we heard kind of the negatives about in Washington? Can he flip that around? I hope he can. And and remember when he was coming out in the draft a couple of years ago and they were saying he lacks mobility, we pointed out here, well, no, he has mobility behind the line of scrimmage and we compared him to, to ben Big Ben, right? I know. The ability to move right. left and right and extend the play that way, not necessarily pull the ball down and take off and run, but extend left and right by time that way. And, and he has a guy that he could watch and learn from in 2021. It creates an intriguing option for the Steelers beyond this season. Let's take a break. When we return, an intriguing afternoon from DK Metcalf, the Seahawks receiver trying his hand at track and actually doing pretty damn well for himself. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. DK Metcalf, second from the far right. Second heat of the Nike Men's 100. Metcalf's hanging with them at the moment. It's fairly even. DK's doing a good job. On the inside, though, CJ Uja and Mike Rogers. That was close. 
What made you make the decision to drop your shoes on the track in that little video you tweeted and ultimately come out here and run against these guys today? Uh, you know, just working out. I mean, just to test my speed up against, you know, world-class athletes like this. You know, um, you know, like I said, man, just had the opportunity to come out here and run against these guys, which just, was just a blessing. Does this tell you that you should come back, you should train, maybe try to lose some of that weight in <laughs> track season and make a team in the future? Do you uh, think about it? No, I got many camps to go to. So. <laughs> I'm surprised Gillespie would stand so close to DK Metcalf and make the size difference between the two men so obvious. I always thought sprinters were kind of jacked, and then here comes DK Metcalf, larger, bigger, stronger, but not faster, but fast enough. Look how close he was to not being in last place. 10.36 seconds for the 100 for a guy who doesn't run track, a guy who would shave some time off yeah. if he did it over and over and over of again course. and reformed his body to suit the sport. That's the thing. Your body is shaped and built for football. If if he was going to be a sprinter full-time and, and have a more slender build and be carrying less weight, he'd be near the front of the pack. That's for darn sure. I, I mean, I agree with that. I do. I mean, yeah, this is he's the type of athlete that I think, again, if if it was junior year in high school and he said, hey, the hell with football, I'm going to the Olympics, that I, I he would be capable of doing that, right? A lifetime of everyday training for that event, and it comes down to a science. I mean, that's what people really don't realize. I have a little experience in a running in the 40 at the Combine and how I had to work so hard to break down that race. This is 100 meters in the Olympics. I mean, this is a whole different animal. Those guys in there have the race measured to like every millisecond and every inch and know exactly how many steps they've taken in a 100-meter race and everything about that. Yeah, he's not made for that right now, but still special. I mean, he didn't embarrass himself, that's for sure, and he was neck and neck with everybody through the first 40 yards of the race. Is there a way that we can show that that shot as they ended and they were coming to the camera, there was one thing I saw that really caught my attention. That he was twice the size of all of them? <laughs> no, no, but but something that happened right after he crossed the finish line. Just oh, when he that, bumped that the guy? That we saw. Well, yeah, when he bumps the guy lightly. Yeah, the guy almost the guy falls almost off the wipes track. Out. I know. Yeah, that's what I want to see again. Yeah, here and it, it comes. And right. it looked playful until the guy was like, uh, wait a minute, um, here it comes. It's coming. Trust me. We're going to see the it is. Here it straight is. on view yeah, here. as they finish. Now watch. It's just kind of a friendly little, uh, hey, uh, hey, you. Hey, but you. And he's he, like, whoa. <laughs> the, the guy kept going straight, and he went with the curve of the track. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to run into him. Sorry. You, you won the race, but you're not going to win that race. The the physical uh, contact. Uh, and that's, he, that's I'm, another I'm big telling aspect. You. He he came that close <laughs> to, eating to just it. wiping out. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that would not have been good. I mean, really, so. I I would like you're right. And back, you know, we had the Maurice Green, right? Remember him, who was like really jacked as a sprinter. It didn't look like there was anybody out there like that type of build. But I mean, really, what? How much did he outweigh those guys to like bring up that point too? You're right. I mean, there's no way if he was running a hundred meter sprint. He wouldn't be 230 pounds if that was the only thing he right. did. You know, he, and again, 15, 20 pounds can make a huge difference in that type of race. I, I bet you he outweighed some of those guys by 50, 60, maybe even more than that uh, as far as pounds are concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And look, hey, he got criticized for coming in last. And, and you could focus, oh, he came in last. I could have come in last. But but he was barely last. Right. He ran it really fast. This isn't what he did. 
does. He went out of his comfort zone. A lot of and, respect. Uh, you know, and, and uh, Tyron Matthew made a great observation on Twitter last night. Never share your dreams with Twitter. Be because that's the thing. People try something beyond their comfort zone. They, they put themselves out there. And what happens? They don't win the race, so they get criticized by everyone for even trying. I mean, come on. Get the hell out of here with that stuff. What he did was brave, courageous, and impressive. And uh, I suspect that plenty of defensive backs that were watching that were thinking, holy crap, this is the guy I got to cover this year? No thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, and listen, as, as fast as he is and everything like that, I don't think we look at him as like transcendent fast like we have other players through time, like Daryl Green or Deion Sanders or Willie Galt or, you know, even Tyreek Hill right now in this phase of, of the NFL and everything like that. So I do give him a lot of credit. That was special. And, yeah, I think there's probably a handful of guys in the NFL that could beat DK Metcalf in a 100-meter sprint. I mean, Ty Tyree Kill right off the top of my head, Terry McLaurin for Washington. I think some of those guys, that they could give a run for their money uh, as far as the, you know, Mostert, right, for the 49ers. I mean, come on, he was the indoor champ at the 60-meter in the Big Ten. So uh, really cool, but there's some other fast guys out there too. Mozart, Mozart, and Mostert, all the same guy, <laughs> equally fast. Um, I, I will say this, too. If you missed it on Friday, they found one of the old NFL fastest man competitions. I watched and it. There's a video. I there's watched a video it. on the website. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. I watched the whole thing. I, I can remember back being eight years old watching those races. And man. Hey, Dad, why aren't you in that race? <laughs> yeah, because you're slow, Dad. You're slow. <laughs> that was pretty amazing, though. Daryl Green, wow. We're going to take a careful look at the Packers roster in response to some hot takery that's out there that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be looking for greener grass than what's at Lambeau Field. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.